love reading through the book of Psalms. What a joy it has been together as a family of faith over these last few weeks as we are daily reading in Psalms together. If you are enjoying that journey through the book of Psalms daily, just say amen. Amen. What a blessing it is to just carve out some time and let God speak to us through his word. And I love the book of Psalms. When we began it a few weeks ago, we said Psalms is like the blues of the Bible. Because in the book of Psalms, you get the full range of emotion. Sometimes you read the psalmist and the psalmist is angry. Sometimes you read the psalmist and the psalmist is afraid and you can hear that in in his words. Sometimes you read the psalmist and he's filled with joy as he's just expressing gratitude and rejoicing over who God is. Sometimes you read the psalmist and there's great brokenness in his life. Sometimes the psalmist is under deep conviction. As you read through the Psalms, I don't know about you, but I just find myself with an ability to relate so often to where the psalmist is and what he's writing about. And that's that's made the weekends sometimes very challenging because what we're doing is as we're reading the book of Psalms together as a family of faith, every weekend we are preaching out of some of the Psalms that we've been reading in the week leading up to Sunday. And as we approach a given Sunday, we're kind of cheating a little bit and we're looking ahead a couple of weeks as pastors and kind of reading where we're going. And when I looked ahead to this week of Psalms, I thought, I don't know how I'm ever going to narrow down where do I preach from because I don't know about for you, but, but this particular week of Psalms was so rich in so many different ways for us to learn from the psalmist. For example, this morning we could have come together and opened to Psalm 42 that you read this week. In Psalm 42, the psalmist opens with these words, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. What a powerful expression of hungering and thirsting for God. And as I read that, that there's part of me that in me that goes, yes, that's, that's the way I want to hunger. But then there's another part of me that falls under deep conviction because I don't always live there with that kind of hunger and thirst for God. And so this morning we could have come together on Father's Day and unpacked Psalm 42 and talked about what it is to hunger and thirst for God, but that's not what we're going to do this morning, all right? We're not going to start there. So I looked on ahead and came to Psalm 46. Psalm 46 would have been a great psalm this morning. You read it this week. Psalm 46 verse 1 opens with this verse. God is our, read it out loud. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Now stop right there. Some translators say you can take that phrase, a very present help in time of trouble, and you can literally translate it this way. Abundantly available to help in time of need. What a good word, huh? God is our refuge and our strength, and he is abundantly available to help in time of need or in tight places. And the psalmist goes on to say, therefore, we don't have to be afraid. Though the earth 
should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. I would submit to you today, that's some pretty drastic circumstances, right? I mean, if we leave here this morning and Mount Charleston has slipped into the Pacific Ocean, something's going on, right? It's not a normal day. The psalmist says, even if that is happening, the psalmist says, we don't have to be afraid. He said, cease striving and know that I am God. That song we just sang that the team wrote, he said, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. We could have this morning come together and unpack the 46th Psalm and talked about how great God is and what a refuge and a strength that he is for each of us in difficult circumstances and in difficult situations. But that's not what we're going to do this morning either. You say, then what are we going to do this morning? Well, there's a lot more I could highlight, but there was one verse this week that God really used to speak into my life personally. And I want to share some thoughts with you out of this verse. And to be completely honest with you, it's a verse that I don't know that I've ever really noticed before. I've, I've read the Psalms many times. If you, if you pick up any one of the Bibles that I use consistently, if you turn to Psalms and Proverbs, you'll find a lot of underlining, a lot of marking, a lot of notes in the side margin, a lot of places where I've written down a lot of stuff. But this particular verse, I know I've read it, but I'd never underlined it. I'd never made a note out in the margin. I never really, I don't think, even noticed this verse. But this morning, this particular morning when I was reading that psalm, it was as if the Holy Spirit of God just began to speak into my life. And, and let me just say this as a side note. As you're reading the psalms every day, don't just go through the motions of reading the psalms every day. Don't just sit down, open your Bible, read the psalms, say, well, I got that done, check that off the list, and I can move on to something else. No, when you sit down, Ask God through his Holy Spirit to speak to you. God, would you take this psalm and Lord, would you speak into my life today? God, would you reveal more of who you are to me today as I read this psalm? And then as you read the psalm, don't be in a hurry. Let God speak to you through the psalm. And as I read this particular verse that morning, it jumped off the page and the Holy Spirit of God began to reveal truth in my heart. Here's the verse, Psalm 43, 3. Here's what it says. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. You hear the psalmist here crying out to God. And when I read that verse that morning, here's the question that the Holy Spirit of God ever so gently just whispered into my soul. How do you live a life led by the truth? That's what the psalmist is really saying here. God, send your light, send your truth, let them lead me. And my soul, when I read that, resonated with that, and I said, yes, but then I began to ask the question, 
How do you do that? How do you live a life led by the truth? If you don't know this, you need to know that the chief weapon of our enemy is deception. The chief weapon of the devil is to deceive and to lie. And we live in a world that is dominated by the lies of the enemy. Every temptation that you and I face, every temptation that we struggle with is rooted in a lie from the enemy. If you don't want to take my word for it, listen to what Jesus said about him in John chapter 8. Look at it on the screen. Jesus was speaking to some religious leaders and he said, You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of all what? Lies. That's a pretty pointed statement Jesus made there, huh? Not a lot of wiggle room in that statement. Not much ambiguity there. Jesus very clearly says that we have an enemy and our enemy is a liar. And we're living in a world that in many ways is dominated by the lies of the enemy. And here's what I think the psalmist was doing on this day. The psalmist was looking out and he was seeing all of the impact of the deception of the enemy. And he's seeing the lies and its impact on society and on individuals and on families. And the psalmist cries out, oh God, send your truth and let your truth lead me. What is the truth of God? Well, David went on in Psalm 119 to write it this way. The sum of your word is truth. Every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. Here's what the psalmist was saying. Every word God has ever spoken since the beginning of time is truth. Martin Luther said it this way. He said, your word is nothing but truth. Say that out loud with me. Read it together. One, two, three. Your word is nothing but truth. Here's the key. If you and I are going to faithfully follow Jesus in a world that is dominated by the lies of the enemy, we must be able to expose the lies of the enemy to the truth of God and by faith believe the truth. But in order to do that, we must be people who know the truth, who pursue the truth, who understand the truth of God so that we can then be led by the truth. So, so here's the question I wrestled with. How do you do that? How do you live a life led by the truth? And I pulled some of our pastors together and we spent a few hours just 
talking about this principle and trying to look very practically into our own lives. So what I want to do today is I want to share four practices with you that are extremely practical. You're not going to hear me say anything today and leave here and go, wow, I've never heard that before. That is rocket science. That is new revelation. Okay, You're not going to hear any of that today, but here's what you are going to get. You're going to get four practices that will enable you and I to be led by the truth, and specifically on Father's Day. Let me say a word to all the dads. Dad, as I thought about these four practices, I cannot think of a greater gift or a greater foundation I can give to my children than to teach them these four practices that allow us to be led by the truth. So let me give them to you. Here's the first one. Pursue truth daily. If we are going to be led by the truth, we must pursue truth daily. Now, from the time I was growing up in church as a little kid, like those little children that were up here a little bit ago with the VBS group, from the time I was a little bitty boy growing up in church, I was taught that it's important as a Christian that you must read your Bible daily. And so I always thought, man, as a good Christian, it's important that you read the Bible daily. What I missed was the significance of why it's important that we read our Bibles daily. Then I met a guy named Clyde Cranford a few years ago, and Clyde really began to disciple me and pour some things into me. Let me put a quote up on the screen that Clyde shared with me. Look at this. He said, for centuries, those who have truly sought to know God intimately have found it imperative to set aside some time in each day to focus their attention and affection on Him. As we spend devotional time in the Word and in prayer, God is pleased to commune with us and to reveal more of who He is little by little. Here's the principle. You don't have to read your Bible daily in order to be a good Christian. That's not the point. It's not a checklist that I sit down and go through the motions of, well, I've done my Bible reading today. I can put that up and move on to something else so that I can show God I'm a good Christian. No, I don't pursue truth daily. I don't read the word daily so that I can check it off the box that I've done everything I need to do to be a good Christian. No, we read the word daily as a pursuit of the truth of God so that God in the midst of a world dominated by the lies of the enemy can ground us and root us in who he is, making himself known to us that we can walk in the truth. And as we do that, let me share with you some important reasons why we do that. Number one, God uses the truth to grow me. God uses the truth to grow me. Look at this verse on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2 says, like newborn babies long For the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may, read it out loud, grow in respect to salvation. Peter uses an interesting illustration here. He talks about a newborn baby that is hungry. You ever been in the presence of a newborn baby that's hungry? If you have, you know it, right? Because when a newborn baby is hungry, everybody knows it. When it's time to eat, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what the environment is. When it's time to eat, bless God, it is time to eat. And if you don't take care of that, that baby's going to let you and everybody around you know it is time to eat. And I'm not stopping until we eat. Right? 
How would you describe that pursuit? It is a passionate pursuit of that food, right? Simon Peter says, like newborn babies, you and I should have a passionate pursuit of the Word of God in our lives. Why? Because that's how we grow. God made those little babies with that that mechanism that causes them to cry out because they need that sustenance to grow. It's necessary for for their physical health. God created us with a need to hunger for the Word of God, and we should have a passionate pursuit to daily go after the truth, and here's why. God, through the Holy Spirit, uses the Word of God To conform us into his image, which is the ultimate purpose of salvation. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? Let me see your hand. Just hold it up for a minute. Testimony time in church. You want to be more like Jesus, right? That's what I thought. That's why most of you are here today, right? You didn't come here because of our comfortable seating. You came here because you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus and you want to be more like Jesus. Well, let me, let me share an insight with you. There is a direct relationship between our time alone with God in His Word and our conformity to the image of Jesus. I'm going to say it again. There is a direct relationship between our time alone with God and His Word and our conformity to the image of Jesus. Listen, there is no shortcut. There's no magic wand we can zap you with. The only way we grow in respect to our salvation, grow to become more like Christ, to allow Christ to live in us, is as we spend time alone with God in His Word. Direct relationship. So we pursue truth daily because God uses it to grow us. Let me give you a second reason we do it. God uses the truth to give me victory over sin. If you've been walking with the Lord for any length of time, you know the feeling that I'm about to describe for you. Here's the feeling of being tired of sin. Genuine born-again believers who walk with God and who have a hunger for righteousness. One of the reasons we can't wait to get to heaven is so that our old flesh is forever dealt with and we don't have to deal with sin anymore. We just get tired of it. I get tired of my flesh. I don't want to want some of the things that I want. But if I'm going to be honest with you today in my heart, sometimes I want those things. I don't want to desire some of the things that I desire, but in my heart sometimes I do. We get tired of sin. How do we live in a world that is so bent and twisted towards the opposite of what God would have and with a flesh that is often bent and twisted in the same way? How do we live in that world led by the truth? We, we do that. Look at 1 John chapter 1 or 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. Look what John said. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. God gave us his truth. God gave us his word. And here's what happens. 
The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to speak to us. In those moments of temptation, in those moments of struggle, in those moments when our flesh is getting in the way, here's what happens. The Spirit of God within us takes the Word of God that we've pursued and the Spirit of God begins to speak softly into our heart using the Word of God. But if I am not regularly pursuing the truth daily, guess what? I'm giving the Spirit of God no ammunition to use in my life to speak. Let me show it to you in the Bible. In in Proverbs chapter 6, the writer of Proverbs kind of personifies it. Look what he says in Proverbs 6. He says, My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. There he's talking about the scriptures that have been passed down through this oral culture of mom and dad. He says, Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. He's describing a pursuit of the truth where I am daily putting the truth in my life. This is what he says. When you walk about, They will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk to you. What's he talking about? As we take the Word of God and put the Word of God in our heart, as we live our lives, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and speaks truth. In the midst of the lies, the Holy Spirit is there to take the truth and to speak truth into our lives and lead us in the truth. Look what it goes on to say. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is a light, and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. God uses the truth to give us victory over sin. Let me give you a third reason why this is important. God uses the truth to fill me with joy. Listen to what Jeremiah 15 says. Jeremiah says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. Jeremiah says, I took the word of God... And I ingested the word of God and it became a joy to me. I want to be real transparent this morning. We just said that we should all pursue truth daily. Because God uses it to help us grow. God uses it to give us victory over sin. God uses it to bring us joy. I'm going to be as transparent as I can be. My spiritual vitality and my emotional health daily rises and falls based on time alone with God in His Word. Here's what I mean by that. You only see us up here on stage. You think sometimes we got it all together. Listen, we don't, all right? We're just like you, just like you. When I am daily pursuing truth and carving out time to be alone with God and His Word, guess what happens? I begin to grow spiritually. But when I don't do that, guess what? I don't grow. When I'm pursuing truth daily and I'm carving out time to be alone with God and His Word, guess what happens in my life? I begin to live in victory over those things that that are distractions, those things that normally would sidetrack me, those, those things in my flesh that can woo my heart away from God. When I'm carving out time to be alone with God and His Word, man, it's like I'm just walking on the clouds and I'm living in victory over those struggles in my life. But listen to me, when I don't do that, I struggle. Those things become distractions. They get me off track. 
when I'm carving out time consistently alone to be with God and His Word daily, let me tell you what happens to me. I am so full of joy. It's a joy and a contentment and a peace that you can't even describe. It's that peace of God that passes all comprehension. But listen to me. When I'm not carving out time to be alone with God every day in His Word, my heart can go to some really dark places emotionally. I can get discouraged. I can get down. You hear what I'm saying today? I'm trying to be as transparent as I can be. This thing of pursuing truth. You say, Pastor, you always are telling us time alone with God, daily His Word. Time alone. Why do you keep telling us that? Let me tell you why I'm telling you that. It is the key. It's the key. Time alone with God and His Word. Pursue truth daily. If you got that one, say amen. amen. Let me give you a second one. We've got to move through these quick. Number two, sit under the truth weekly. Sit under the truth weekly. It's what you're doing right now. Why is this so important? Well, let me show it to you. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Paul writes to a young preacher named Timothy, and he's teaching this pastor how to lead his congregation. And here's what he says to him. Timothy, until I come. Paul's saying, I'm coming to see you, and when I come, I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. But until I come... Here's what I want you to do. You give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Here's what he said. Timothy, when the church gathers together, I want you to pay attention. I want you to take the Scriptures and I want you to read them publicly. And he said, I want you to teach the Scriptures. The word teach here is a word that describes systematic explanation of the Word of God. It answers the question, what does the Word say? Paul said, Timothy, I want you to get up in front of people. I want you to read the Scriptures, and I want you to know what it says because I want you to unpack for the people of God, here is what the Word of God says. And then he said, Timothy, I want you to exhort them. The word exhortation is a word that means to encourage or challenge people to take the truth and apply it to their lives. It answers this question. How does the word apply to my life today? Paul said, Timothy, when you gather together, I want you to take the word of God. I want you to open it up. I want you to read it. And I want you to answer two questions. What does the book say? And how does that apply to my life today? Can I tell you that every week of our lives, your pastors labor over those two questions. Every week of our lives, we gather together, we get in a room, we get our books, we get with the Word of God, we, we beg God in prayer, and we're before the Lord trying to answer, sometimes 10, 12, 15, 20 hours a week, answering those two questions. What does the Word of God say? And how does the Word of God apply to their life today? Why do we do that? Here's why we do that. Because you don't need our opinion. You don't need my philosophy. You don't need a self help program from this church. You need to know the truth of the Word of God. And you need to know how to take the Word of God and bring application out of the Word of God into your life today. And let me just give you a piece of advice. It's free. It's not even a part of the sermon, all right? If you're here visiting today or if you attend this church 
And this church or the church that you're attending stops being a place where they consistently gather and say, here's what the truth of God says, and here's how you take the truth and apply it to your life. Let me give you a recommendation. Find a new church. We don't gather around here just to tickle each other's ears and make us feel good about ourselves. We need to know the truth of God. We need to know what God said. And we need to know how to take what God said and apply it to our life. Because we're living in a world that is dominated by the lies of the enemy. And the only way that we live victoriously in that is to know what the truth of God says. And listen, this is not a new concept. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, this is how you do church from the very beginning. John MacArthur writes about it this way. He said, from its earliest years, the church has been committed to the teaching of God's Word. The reading and explanation of the Word was central to the worship service. Now, Paul wrote this, but we have the writings of a man about 100 years later whose name is Justin Martyr. Justin Martyr was an early Christian. He was one of the early Christian apologists and scholars. And he wrote some works that we have preserved to this day. It's not in the Bible. It's it's another work that was written about a hundred years after Jesus was on the earth. And listen to the way Justin Martyr describes church in the second century. Look at it on the screen. On the day called Sunday, there is a meeting in one place of those who live in our city or the country... And I love the way he calls it, the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read as long as time permits. Preachers have always struggled with going too long. Amen. (laughs) When the reader has finished, the one presiding in a discourse urges and invites us to the imitation of these notes. You hear what he's saying? Here's what we did on Sunday. We'd all get together in the town that were Christians and somebody would get up and they'd read the writings of the apostles. They'd read the writings of the prophets and then the one presiding would then give a discourse. That's what I'm doing right now, right? They would give a discourse urging us to take those principles of Scripture and apply them to our lives and live them out. Look what he said. Then we all stand up together and offer prayers. Here's the point. When we gather for worship and the teaching of the Word of God, we are not simply following some American version of Christianity. We are following in the footsteps of the early church in giving priority to the Word of God that we may be led by the truth. For centuries, Christ's followers have been gathering weekly to sit under the teaching of the Word of God. Why are we here today? Well, you got to go to church to be a good Christian. No! We're here today because we need to be people of the truth. And one of the ways God leads us in the truth is by sitting under the teaching of the Word. God in His divine sovereignty ordained that His church would gather on the first day of the week and sit under the teaching of the Word of God. Listen. Transparent again, as transparent as I can be. All of us need to weekly sit under the teaching of the Word of God. We need it. I need it. 
one of the reasons that we implemented a teaching team here at Hope is so that none of our pastors are every week under the gun up here. We get to take time and sit under the teaching of the Word of God. I was in Baltimore, Maryland this week at a conference, and when I was in Baltimore, I had the privilege of sitting under other teachers of the Word of God and hearing them preach God's Word. Why? Because I need to sit under the teaching of the Word of God. Why? Because we want to be led by the truth. I'm so grateful today on a day like today, especially Father's Day, to have had the dad that I had. My dad was a pastor growing up. And back in Alabama when people went to church, they went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, three times a week. Not just once, three times a week. So back in the day, you weren't a faithful church member unless you went three times a week. Now we've said you're faithful, you go three times a month, right? So back in the day, it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I'm telling you about Wednesday night, it was just the people that love Jesus now, right? I mean, everybody that was just there to meet somebody, they didn't come back on Wednesday. But Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, let me tell you what my dad did. Growing up my whole life, my dad preached three books of the Bible. Sunday morning, he'd be in a different book of the Bible like Psalms. Sunday night, he'd be preaching through the book of Daniel. Wednesday night, he'd be preaching through the gospel of Matthew. My whole life, I've heard my dad unpack almost the entire Bible as he just preached as a child growing up, unpacking the Word of God. And I'm so thankful for being able to sit under the teaching of the Word of God. We need it. If you got the first two, say amen. Pursue truth daily. Sit under the truth weekly. Here's the third one. Fellowship with others around the truth consistently. We need to be with other believers and let the Word of God in us speak through us to us. God, by the Holy Spirit, lives in each one of us. And as we gather together in groups And we let God speak to us, through us. Let me show it to you in the Bible. There's a defining section of Scripture. We don't have time to really unpack this, but there's a defining section of Scripture in Colossians, and you got to know this. Just take my word for it. You can go look it up on your own. Paul in Colossians 3 is writing about the fellowship of believers. This is not an individual verse. This is a verse for the community of believers. Look what it says in Colossians 3.16. He says, let the word... Of Christ richly dwell within. Say the next word out loud. Now, if you're not careful here, you'll think this is a verse just for you. Because he said, let it dwell in you, right? Where I'm from in Alabama, we bring a lot more clarity to this. Because where I'm from, if you'd let us translate this verse, it would have been very clear that this was not you. Because we would have said, let the word of Christ richly dwell in y'all, right? Because this is you. Matter of fact, every personal pronoun in this verse is in the plural. None of these are singular pronouns. Everyone that's used here is plural. This is let the word of Christ richly dwell in y'all, right? And since we got a bunch of y'alls together, we'd say all y'all, right? Let the word of Christ richly dwell in y'all. Here's what that means. As we get together and we fellowship around the Word, the Word of Christ in us ministers to each of us as we share out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit of God working in us. Look what he goes on to say. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in y'all's hearts to God, right? It's you plural. The point is here, 
If you and I are going to be people of the truth, it's very important that we fellowship with others around the truth consistently. The word fellowship could be defined like this, living out my relationship with God together with other believers. That's the way Christianity was designed to be experienced. It's in community. At Hope, we do that in small groups. We encourage every person in our fellowship to be connected in a small group. Why? Because you've got to be in a small group to be a good Christian? No. Because we need to fellowship with others around the truth. Allow God through the Holy Spirit to speak through another brother or sister into my life out of the truth that's in their life. You see it? Bill Hybel said it this way. I love this. He said, if we are committed to following God's path and growing in wisdom, goodness, discipline, and truth, then we should intentionally surround ourselves with people who exhibit those qualities as our friendships with those people grow, so will our character and our pursuit of godliness. Let me just quickly give you some statements about the effects of fellowship, why this is such a big deal. I'm not going to unpack these very much, but I want you to write them down so you can take a moment. Listen, again, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a sampling But here's some reasons why this is a big deal. The first effect of fellowship is example. Here's what that means. Others showing me how to live the truth. When I get in a group with other people and start doing life with them, I get to see the truth of God in them and it challenges me by looking at their example. How many of you know somebody else that's a believer and their example has impacted your life? What did it require? It required you being together, right? To see that example. That's why Hebrews says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How? Not forsaking our assembling together. How do we do this? By gathering. As we gather together in groups, as we do life together, as we life on life, let the truth of God speak into us. What does it do? It it inspires. That's that word there, stimulate. It inspires. It incites in us godly character because we see it in somebody else's life and what we've read in the book and what God's been speaking then we get to see a living vibrant example in somebody else's life and it's like the Holy Spirit of God inside of us goes see that's what I'm talking about and it's an example let me give you a second word accountability accountability that's others holding me to the truth you can't have that without being in fellowship with other believers iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another Third word is counsel. That's others speaking the truth into my life. Sometimes in our situation and circumstance, we need somebody else to bring some clarity. You can't do that unless you have those people in your life that know you well enough to speak into your life. I need some people that know me well enough to know when I'm lying. Know me well enough to know when I'm justifying my decision based on my emotional involvement. I need some people that know me well enough to speak into my life and challenge me. The counsel verse there is Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Fourth one is encouragement. And this is others reminding me of the truth. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul said, therefore, encourage one another. Don't don't miss this. The word encourage, it's a beautiful compound word in the Greek language. It's two words put together to make one word. The two words are this. One of them is a word that means to come alongside. The other one is a word that means to speak into. You put them together, and here's what encouragement is. It's to come alongside a brother or sister in Christ and speak truth 
into their lives to lift them up and encourage them. That's the biblical principle of encouragement. You can't have that without fellowship. You can't have it. Now, these four words are just, they're just some, some sampling of the things that we glean from fellowship. But example, accountability, encouragement, counsel, all of these things. Listen, if you are trying to live out your Christianity on an island by yourself, you're missing out on the essence of what God's given us in fellowship, and you're missing out on a major component of being led by the truth of God. Now, I said I was going to be transparent with every one of these, all right? So I'm going to be transparent again here. And if you're in my small group, I apologize to you up front for doing this, all right? But I'm going to be honest. There are some days I don't want to go to my small group. I'm, I'm just, I know none of you ever feel that way. All of you wake up and when your alarm goes off, you go, glory to God, it's small group night. I can't wait. Listen, there's some days I don't want to go to my small group. Problem is, <laughs> I lead mine. <laughs> so I don't really have an option. But there are some days... My old flesh lies and says, you don't, you, don't, you don't need to do that. You don't need to connect with those folks tonight. But let me tell you what I found. Every time I, by faith, just believe the truth that I do need it and go, let me tell you what I found. By the time we're done, I don't want them to leave. I've been so encouraged. I've been so uplifted. I've been challenged by their example. I've been inspired by their walk with God. I've been uplifted by a testimony that somebody shared. If you're not going to be led by the truth, we've got to pursue truth daily. We've got to sit under the truth weekly, and then we've got to be in fellowship with others around the truth consistently. Here's the fourth and final one. We've got to respond to truth Immediately. Charles Spurgeon said, Delayed obedience is disobedience. James said it this way in James chapter 4 Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So here's the question I want you to wrestle with as we close. What truth do you know that you are not responding to? Maybe it's truth about time alone with God daily. Maybe it's truth about sitting under the truth weekly. Maybe it's truth about fellowship with others consistently. Maybe it's truth about any one of a hundred other things. And I'm not even going to go into the list. Let me tell you why. Because I'm going to miss yours if I do. And as soon as I ask the question, the Holy Spirit of God showed you exactly what it is. You know. What's the truth that God's made known to you that you're just not responding to? What attitude? What action? What relationship? What, what, what is it? You know it. God knows it. He's made the truth evident. And you're delaying obedience 
You've justified it. You've excused it. You've covered it up. But you're not responding to what God's saying to you. For some of you today, the truth that you need to respond to is the truth of the gospel. Some of you are here and you've, you've never been saved. You don't have a personal relationship with God. Here's what the truth of the gospel says. The gospel says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because of our sin, we're separated from a relationship with God. But here's what the gospel also says. That God loved us so much that he didn't leave us in our sin. He sent his son Jesus into the world as God who became a man, lived a sinless life. And on the cross, Jesus Christ died for our sin. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again from the dead as a testimony that God has accepted his sacrifice for our sins. And now all we have to do is turn from our sin and believe the truth of the gospel. And we can be saved. We can be forgiven of our sin. We can be given a personal relationship with God. For some of you today, you need to respond to the truth of the gospel. For others, there are other ways you need to respond. Here's what's about to happen. In just a moment... We're going to stand and sing a song of worship like the church has been doing for hundreds of years. After the teaching of word of God, we're going to stand and we're going to offer prayers and praise to God. Like they've been doing since Jesus walked on the earth. And it's an opportunity for us to listen. Don't miss this. Respond to the truth that we've heard. What is God speaking into your life and how do you need to respond immediately? For some of you, you need to be saved today. We're going to have some pastors here at the front. And the Holy Spirit of God right now is in your heart drawing you to himself. You know it. And it's time for you to come and give your life to Jesus. We're going to have some pastors right down here. You can come take any one of them by the hand and say, I need Jesus. And we'll have somebody sit down with you with a Bible and show you how you can begin a personal relationship with God. For others of you today, maybe it's to come get in these steps. We're going to open them up like an old-fashioned altar, and you can just come and kneel here and be alone with God. And maybe you just need to come and make a fresh surrender of your life today to pursuing truth daily and sitting under the truth weekly and fellowshipping with others around the truth consistently. Maybe you've been holding back from fellowship with other believers, and today's the day for you to get that right with God, to respond to the truth immediately. Don't wait Don't delay. Don't think about it. Respond to the truth immediately. Maybe you just want to come and be alone with God here in this altar and just cry out to Him like the psalmist. Oh, God, send your truth that it may lead me. Maybe you have a burden in your family, your job, your health, relationship, and you just want one of our pastors to pray for you. We'd be honored to pray for you today. As God takes His truth and speaks into your heart, Would you respond today?